1: of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional.
0: Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington.
3: I hope you guys had a good week, and uh, looking at the stock market, kind of, kind of boring this week. Um, not a lot of activity in either direction. Look at the past, the trend over the past two weeks, and it's down a little bit, but uh, it's actually up off of the lows that it reached in October, so that's a good thing. 2022 was a pretty rough time period, but uh, we're going to come back to these topics here and, and talk about it. Markets and uh, where I think you might uh, be concentrating for best overall returns. Um, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about fixed income market because, wow, you know, the, the, the average balance fund did really poorly last year. But like bonds, in general, uh, if you look at the bond indexes, they were down in the mid teens. You don't count the uh, income that was generated. And even if you did count the income, they're still down around 12% or so. And that's like one of the worst periods in, I don't know, uh, from what I read, it's 40 years. Yeah, And it's actually before I was in the industry, (laughs) which is a a long time ago. And it feels like a much longer time than that, I can tell you. But uh, bottom line is, interest rates have dropped uh, significantly. And when they go down a lot, bonds have a tendency to do fairly well. When they start going back up again, bonds have a tendency to not do well, uh, not do well at all. In fact, I'm looking at just a bond index, and it's an aggregate of investment-grade corporate bonds in the United States. And it was down at its worst. It was down a little over 18% last year. it's bounced back up a little bit. So from a high point, it, it's still down around uh, 14% or so. And again, if you add the income back in, well, you're only down around 9 or 10 And big relief, right? <laughs> so uh, where's that headed? Well, if they keep raising rates, probably headed right back in the wrong direction again. Uh, if they don't raise rates, and at some point in time, this is kind of what happens, they'll stop raising rates. And then they will start to lower rates if we get into a, a deep recession, which some people are calling for, other people are uh, calling for a more moderate recession, which is where my vote goes. I think that uh, um, a lot of this stuff has already happened. They've already raised interest rates a lot. The mortgages uh, are twice what they were off their bottoms, a little bit more than twice what they were off their bottoms. and. And then, you know the banking and uh, real estate uh, make up about a little over twenty percent of the total economy. That's that's a lot. Uh, so when you put those the the brakes on in those industries, that's going to have a big impact on the rest of the economy. So hasn't really taken uh, a huge toll yet. Now that's depending on who you're talking to, by the way. You're talking to a realtor who's just one or two years out of school, doesn't have a big client base. This is miserable for them. <laughs> I mean, I I feel your pain. You know, when I was young in this industry, it was very similar to real estate. You know, you're trying to help people. Actually, people invest more in real estate than they did in their uh, stock portfolios back in those days. But uh, so when they would stop investing in their stocks or it started to slow down, they started trying to sell uh, stuff, which is Typically a bad idea. If, if you're reacting to the stock market um, out of fear, then that you're almost guaranteed to make a mistake. Almost guaranteed. So and you shouldn't do that. And that's one of the things that uh, we try to teach, even from way back then, is like go into the market with realistic expectation. What is that going to be? Well, if you look at a fund and you see it's done 20% a year over the past five years, um, let me tell you something, a flag should go off that even in really good years, that is a really difficult number to achieve. And it's almost impossible to maintain. Ask Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's the richest guy in the world and his long-term track record is nowhere near 20% a year. So number one, probably not going to be possible to maintain it. Yeah. You can have a year where you're up a lot. You know I, all the time, uh, on average, people who are professionals that are doing this that are, that are really good at it, they typically have one or two years out of every five to ten years that are, are phenomenal, and the rest of the years are like, yeah, they may or may not win. They may not be ahead of the overall market, and that's uh, that's one of the things that bothers an awful lot of people about investing in stocks is you're not going to be ahead of the market every year. It's just not going to happen, especially if you're going to try to have a track record that's better than the market is in the long run. In the short run, uh, anything can happen, probably will. Um, If you're doing the right things, eventually you'll get paid. And this is one of the reasons that I I took to talking about the fixed indexed annuities, um, mainly because, and and fixed annuities as well. Um, Fixed indexed, have a little more, typically they'll guarantee a little bit more of a return. And I'll just give an example. And if you hear, uh, if if you're hearing this, don't try to write this down. You can just email me, bill at bullingtoncapital.com or just go to my website, Bullington Capital, and I'll send you a link and you can go in and play around with this yourself. You can put in different dollar amounts and, and look at different ages uh, to see what you might be able to get. And what I did was for this, just for illustration purposes, I assumed you would start off with $100,000. Why? Because it's a round number. Um, makes it easier. But you're 66 years old, and so next year, you're going to be eligible for Social Security without having a uh, pay cut if you continue to work um, and, uh, uh, you know, if you take it early and you, you work and you go above a certain dollar amount, they claw back some of the money that they're giving you in a bad idea. So, uh, anyway, before you do anything like that, you should call us. In fact, I'm going to a Social Security workshop. Uh, there's a guy that was uh, started a company, an educational company. He worked for Social Security Administration for 32 years. And he's got a partner who's a CPA and an, and an attorney on board. And they're teaching Uh, maximization on Social Security benefits. So that should be pretty interesting. Yeah, but my point was if you started taking it early and then you were working and you made more money than uh, you're allowed to, they start to take some of that money back. So we'll come back to that on a show in the future. Back to the example at hand, Um, you're going to be taking Social Security at age 67 and you said, "Ah, maybe I'll I'll get an annuity at 66 because you have to wait 12 months on this one uh, to start the income. That $100,000 would would generate $7,154 that first year. Uh, that's based on today's rate. So these things change fairly frequently, by the way. So if you hear something here, um, call before you uh, decide that you know that's what you want to do. In um, fact, there are lots of other things that you need to consider before doing this, but this is just to give you kind of an idea of what you might be able to generate to supplement your other income and to supplement your stock portfolios. I don't, I don't think you can do without stocks. Let me put it that way. I, I guess if you were super rich, you could, but the vast majority of people are going to have to have some money in stocks so that they have a growth rate that's actually higher. And I don't, some people are thinking, well, that's, you just said 7.1%. Yes, but that's fixed. That does not go up. The, uh, over time, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to have to have some growth if you hope to keep up with inflation on the rest of your portfolio. So um, if none of this makes sense to you right now, don't worry about it. Just call me. <laughs> I can take your, your situation. I've been doing this for so long. It literally takes me about two minutes to be able to figure out what kind of sustainable income you could generate in retirement, and all you really need to know is how old you are now, how much money do you have, uh, how much have you have in saving, and what are your social security benefits or pension benefits. You know those three things, I can give you a really good estimate and I can actually point you to a website where you can go in and, and put that um, put those numbers in. Yourself and, uh, and kind of play around with it. Um, yeah, so very simple. Uh, I I really hate think- making things more complex than they absolutely have to be. Uh, if you hang around me or listen to my show at any point in time, and you listen to it two or three times, you're gonna that's gonna come through. Uh, I want to try to keep things as simple as humanly possible, so that uh, actually the simpler it is, the, the fewer chances you have of messing it up. <laughs> so the uh, something like this. I put a hundred thousand bucks in, and I'm sixty-six years old next year. I'm gonna get i am I'm gonna get seven thousand one hundred fifty-four dollars a year guaranteed lifetime income. Now that guarantee, by the way, is only as good as the insurance company that's making the guarantee. You want to be careful here. The company I'm talking about is nationwide, and they're A plus rated dealing with them for a very long time. A-plus rating is an incredibly good rating. uh, Very solid financial statement. Got a good track record, good reputation. So that's important to me anyway. And what's really interesting about this is let's say um, I thought I was going to retire and then I was offered another part-time job and don't really have to retire, don't have to start taking Social Security at 67. You could, uh, or You don't need the income that you're going to get from this, so you could put it off. You can put it off another year. Actually, you can put it off. You can start the income anytime you want. But uh, if you put it off for another whole year, instead of getting seven thousand one hundred fifty-four dollars, you get seven thousand eight hundred twenty-four dollars. So that's just gone up a fairly significant amount. I get to age sixty-nine instead of what I started with at seventy-one fifty-four. The number would be eight thousand five hundred forty-one. Uh, that's assuming that you didn't take it those first uh, when you were first eligible to take it, and you waited a couple of years. It goes up like that. And I, and again, if you want to see this yourself, I don't mind. I'll send you the link. You can get on and you can play with it, um, and uh, or I can do it for you and just email it over. You don't have to have a lot of information. But I think this is a really good. Uh, alternative and actually a supplement to the regular fixed income that you're seeing out there. I mean, it's nice that you can see a, a regular fixed annuity, which is the, uh, basically a tax deferred product going to have income. There's a ton of variations on this theme. Right now I'm just talking about a regular, uh, run of the mill fixed annuity. It might have a, uh, one, three, five, seven or 10 year guarantee on the income, the higher the guarantee and the longer it goes, uh, the higher the penalty it is to take money out earlier. The vast majority of them will waive any penalties if you go into a nursing home or somebody dies uh, and you can take up to 10% of it without triggering a penalty and uh, a portion of that will be taxable when you take it out. So it's got some flexibility there. And the rates around in those areas are in the um, low to mid 5%. It depends on the company, how long you're going to hang on to it. And, and again, that's one of the reasons that I uh, like the fixed index a little bit more, mainly because it's got a, a higher guaranteed income rate than the vast majority of just uh, vanilla fixed annuities. But oftentimes, the fixed annuity is a better deal. Uh, it depends on what you want to do with it, and uh, so that's again, that's something that you know we would sit down and talk about, or over the phone and talk about. If you have questions on this, you can also do it through email. That's a little harder uh, because you just uh, there are so many questions that that really need to be asked that could take a week. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just give me a call because these are tough times. I mean, you look around the people who bought. The aggregate bond fund. Uh, there are a couple different big um, money management firms that have aggregate bond funds. Those things are in the top ten percent of their category. Okay, so top ten percent, and they're down a lot, uh, especially if you look at where they peaked, 2020, because interest rates are coming up. Those things are down seventeen, eighteen percent or so. You know that that's a lot. Um, and now, if you reinvested. The dividends that were coming in off of it, you're only down a few percentage points, but you're still down after three years in a bond fund that's investment grade. And see, That's my point. That's why I've been talking about this. I've been getting some negative feedback from some people who say, yeah, you, you talk too much about annuities. Well, that's why, because a large portion of your money should be in fixed income of some kind. A large portion, unless you're really young or if you're really, really rich. Yeah. If you get, what do I call really rich? Somebody's got over $10 million, in my mind, is, is pretty rich. Okay. There's $10 million, if you only took 2% out, you got a money market today, you could actually get a, um, an would pay a, a ton. You, you could get a 4% CD. You can get a uh, 4.5%. That's a lot. Okay. So on $10 bucks, that's $400,000. You're in the um, maximum tax bracket at those level at that level but uh, uh if you're there you can basically you can do whatever you'd like to do when you're not in those levels. It becomes much more important that not only do you have a higher level of income because you don't have ten million dollars, so you need to get as much income as you can, but you also have to be much more cognizant of the amount of risk you're taking and uh, you can't compensate. For the fact that you don't have $10 million by taking more risk. And oftentimes I get that uh, that uh, response from people. Hey, well, I, I know you can do it because you, you're a professional. Well, I can't create a in- income that you get from $10 million from less than uh, $8 million. <laughs> So Anyway, I've only got a few seconds here before I have to take a real quick commercial break. Sorry for uh, if I've uh, confused anybody. I'll come back and we'll take another run at these topics because they are very important. Uh, trying to live a life in retirement after you've worked hard all those years is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, there's a difference between simple and easy. I know at the end of the show. Oh, I'll be back after these messages.
1: Tension Tired Of expensive vet bills? Temporary prescriptions still leaving your pet itchy with a dull coat or fur loss? It all starts with their food. Add Dinovite to supplement the nutrients they're missing to support a healthy digestive tract, skin and coat, and immune system for an all around healthier pet. Get a free probiotics booster with your purchase of Dinovite for dogs by using code DOG at Dinovite.com. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dinovites.
0: Dr. Sebastian Gorka can't believe what he hears sometimes. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. The people I have heard say it for you are former President Trump. It's not Biden that opened the border. That is gas lighting. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6, on AM 1420. The answer
1: or on iHeart, TuneIn and Odyssey. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation.
3: Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420, here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, if you feel like you'd like to talk or just send me an email, no problem. I'll try to get back to you as quickly as I can. Uh, my email address is bill at bullingtoncapital.com, and bullingtoncapital.com is my website address. And there's a contact us form there you can fill out. If, again, if you hear something and you'd like to get some more information on it, feel free to do that. Um, and before I stop talking about uh, the fixed index annuities, uh, I just wanted to also point out some things that make them pretty popular, and although they're not for everybody. In fact, I you know there are people who are hardcore. Uh, everybody should be 100% in stocks, and those people are normally really rich, <laughs> and they can live off of a 2 or 3% dividend, so they're not worried about it. But, uh, and then there are people who do nothing but short-term treasury bonds, uh, and there's everything in between. This would be in between, and it would be more closer to the, the fixed guaranteed stuff because they do have guaranteed floors. And that's what attracted me to it to begin with because there's a, I know what I'm going to get. And there's a schedule there. So if I don't need the money and I don't want to take it right away, I know what I'm going to get as a minimum. If the investments do happen to outperform, great. Then I'm actually going to make more than that minimum. But that minimum is pretty high, and it's very difficult to outperform. An average investor has not outperformed that in the past 20 years. And this is a fixed product. So um, that's why I like it. Is it the end-all, be-all? Heck no. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. The reason I keep bringing it up is because I, I think it fills a need for a large number of people. Not everybody, but it fills a big need for a large number of people. I think it could be a great supplement to your stock portfolios or your regular fixed income. And because everybody's situation is a little bit different, it would be not very professional of me to just recommend this product across the board and say, yeah, it's for everybody. It's not. And, uh, I have it, but my situation is different than yours. Yeah. And I've never seen two people that have had a, an identical situation in the entire time I've been in the industry. I'll tell you what's really interesting is when you have a husband and a wife together, and they're really, really different on their views of risk. Those are fun meetings. <laughs> Just kidding. The, uh, I didn't realize I'd actually have to be a marriage inspector uh, or a counselor, rather, when uh, when I got in, when I signed up for this. But you know, it, it's very helpful and it's great. Uh, sometimes being able to bounce ideas off or say things that you wouldn't say alone but you might have somebody there that's listening that can uh, help you get your point across that can be very helpful and though well, not always and, uh, sometimes it make everybody mad <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know again it's coming back to the basics you're looking at stocks bonds and cash those are your bigger asset categories uh, you when I say that everybody that owns a business goes, hey, but what I own a business? That's great. Okay, so you actually own the business. It's a job. It's providing income. You can get an estimate of that business and include that into your plan if you'd like to. Uh, you don't have to, but uh, yeah, that that is different. And we will uh, uh, address that. But if you work for somebody else and retirement's approaching, you got Social Security what's the best way to take the Social Security, that really depends. That is super individualized, incidentally. There's no uh, fast, hard and fast rules that you can use. You literally have to sit down and take a look at your posi- position financially. And do you need the money? If you need the money, then you, you have no choice. You just have to take it. Uh, if you have a choice, putting it off is going to increase the amount of Social Security that you're going to get in the future and that one is guaranteed to go up with inflation. And that would be a, a, a situation where maybe somebody would say, well, yeah, but I need a couple thousand a month um, to get to, to pay all my basic expenses, and I'd really like to put off taking Social Security because it's going to go up each year that I don't take it. It'll actually go up even after you start taking it, but if you're working and still paying into it, goes a little faster, even when you're fully eligible. So, And and again, there's no right or wrong answer with this. And that's one of my pet peeves with my industry. Uh, I hear a lot of financial planners, uh, investment advisors who talk about, you know, there's got to do it the right way. Well, uh, if it were that easy, yeah, everybody would know what the right way is. There's there's no right way. There's the right way for you. And somebody's got to sit down and listen. To what you're saying, take a look at your financial situation, give you options, and let you choose. That's basically what we do. to Capital, we sit down, we listen to your financial situation, we give you options, and then we let you choose. What do you think? Uh, my biggest job is not to be right on what the stock market's going to do in the next six months. Okay? That's not my job. In fact, that job belongs to a fortune teller. And the weather is more accurate for their forecast than fortune tellers are. <laughs> the, the average stock market uh, forecaster would die to have the record that weather forecasters do. Uh, that, that's not as funny as it used to be. When I was like 12 years old, they didn't have satellites. And so the weather reports were typically wrong about 70% of the time, literally 7 out of 10 times. And um, now that they have the uh, satellites and can see the weather coming, it's a lot more accurate. So, uh, I guess I should have uh, dropped that joke a long time ago. <laughs> so, anyway, the, uh, seeing what's going to happen in the future, over time, stocks have done better than other asset classes. The, uh, um, sorry about that. I just got distracted. Over time, stocks have done better than other asset classes and uh, have given higher returns. Not always. And stocks can go 10 years, this has happened twice during my lifetime. And uh, I just turned 60. Thank you very much. <laughs> so if it could happen twice in my life, I actually, I think it's happened three times, but I was really, 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 really young. Uh, so once every 20 years or so, market has a really big blow up or has had, has had a really big blow up. Not in, it's not exactly 20 years either, but um, if it's Anyway, long story short, if the market can go down a lot and it can take a long time to recover, that, that's a certain type of risk, and it's you know, timing risk, and you really, there's not much you can do about it. We do everything that you can do about it, and what is that? All right, well, so you decide how much of a risk taker you really are, and I take a 50% decline without panicking? I'm going to tell you, for most people, the answer is no. So for most people, they don't belong 100% in stocks. Why? Because they've been down 50% or more multiple times during my lifetime. And I'm, I'm older, but I'm not that old. So if it can happen, it can happen again. And incidentally, the valuations on stocks today are not super cheap. They're actually on the high end. And uh, so, could it happen? Yeah, it can happen. Will I be happy about it? no. No, I don't. I'm never happy about that. But yeah, uh, but I will be glad that in addition to the stocks I have in my portfolio, I also have fixed indexed annuity. I also have some uh, CDs and Treasuries. So there's a mix there. Now for the stock side, okay. I know a lot of people have been putting you off about talking about stocks for uh, this whole show now. Now I'm going to talk about stocks right up until the next commercial break. When I was really young in the industry, I read everything I could get my hands on. And I was trying to emulate Peter Lynch and Warren Buffett. Most of you know who Warren Buffett is. The vast majority of you may not know who Peter Lynch is. depends on how old you are. And uh, if you're under the age of 40 and you know who Peter Lynch is, congratulations, you are a uh, a very hard worker <laughs> because he's been retired for a long time. He he had a great track record, and he was so common sense. And he's got a couple books out there that they're worth reading. Um, he doesn't talk a lot about the math and how to figure out what a fair price to pay is on a stock. Neither just Warren Buffett. Actually, he doesn't. He lay. They lay out some outlines, and if you read it hard, read it really well, thoroughly, and you study really hard, you can find out. How to do what Warren Buffett was doing, Peter Lynch, on the other hand, didn't really give a lot of detail. I found out later uh, what he was doing, but the bottom line is this okay, here's what everybody that's invested in stocks, uh, here's why they're investing in stocks, okay, because companies like Procter Gamble, I, I've got a ton of Procter Gamble in my house, and every time I buy another big orange plastic container of Tide, I always think. Hey, this is why I own Procter & Gamble's stock. Why? Because this Tide used to be a lot cheaper than it is. <laughs> and I'm not going to stop using it. They don't raise the prices up two or 300% a year, but they raise prices over time. And I'm not going to stop washing my clothes. And you go down and look, go to Procter & Gamble's website. Now, I'm not recommending Procter & Gamble, by the way. I mean, I think it's a good stock. I don't think it's grossly overpriced. I've owned it for so long, and I'm, I'm up on it. Quite a bit, so I'm not going to uh, worry about that position. Um, I think it's a, a good thing to have, and I just like doing it. And it's also in a lot of the ETFs that I invest in. Why? Well, because the ETFs I invest in are looking at things like sales. Do they have sales? No. I see a lot of companies come out, they have no sales. Well, yeah, but they're going to have sales. Uh, no. All right. You. That's fine. Take a... a small, small portion of your portfolio, put that money aside and don't commingle it with your other money. Okay? If you want to do uh, speculative stock investing, I'm not going to tell you not to do it because I've participated in it my whole life, but I only do it with less than 15% of my total asset. So that that lesson was learned the hard way about 30 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, those sure things that you keep hearing, you've always heard about. Yeah. Yeah. But bottom line is, uh, and I, you know, experience is a great teacher. And after one or two really hard knocks, I started listening and researching. And uh, let me tell you, experience is a great teacher. But it's a whole lot easier if you're learning from someone else's experience. <laughs> like all the things I read about Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch and a whole bunch of other guys. And there's a guy, Joel Greenblatt, a very good writer. Tons of small books that really help a lot. And uh, so anyway, that helped me kind of mold the investment style that I use. And it's the vast majority of them are funds today. Uh, I keep threatening to go back into stocks. But before I, I teach anything on stocks, I'm going to make sure that we can do meetings, uh, and we don't have to sit uh, six feet apart. That should be coming up fairly shortly. And because it is, it's interesting, and more so than trying to help you get rich quick. That's incredibly difficult to do for anybody. But the uh, and by the way, if you do, you just got lucky, and I'll show you how all that works in these meetings as well. But the but. Uh, The more you know about how stocks actually work, how they perform, how they interact with the economy, uh, the more comfort you get and the more confident you're going to get in your long-term investment strategy. And confidence is everything. I mean, without confidence, you are just going to, you'll be like one of the Dalbar subjects. Dalbar is a company that does research on investor behavior. Google that sometime. And uh, it's spelled D-A-L-B-A-R, DALBAR. Look at the study on most individual investors. Now, not all, but a huge majority of individual investors end up doing the wrong things at bad times. You know, inopportunity is always abounding somewhere. And uh, it may look like, and it disguises itself. That's That's the thing that's really tough. About financial markets, when it's going down, it looks like it's always going to keep going down. When it's going up, it looks like it's always going to keep going up, and all these reasons come out to support whatever's happening after the fact. You know, and that's probably the uh, the worst part of investing because the news is not helpful. You know, they're they're telling you what happened in the past and projecting that forward like it's going to happen. You know, continue to happen that way. And uh, ultimately, markets are going to go up and down over a long time period. They've had a tendency to go higher. Why? Well, we'll have to do a whole thing on the Fed and the economy and money supply and, and all that kind of stuff on future shows. We'll do a little bit at a time. But all this talking was leading me back to the point of you know uh, Procter & Gamble and other companies like them, like Clorox, like Hershey. You know those are our brand names that make products that that we all use a lot of. Uh, they've done a masterful job of increasing their sales. okay? So as sales go higher, generally your profits will go higher as long as you manage the expenses. Now, I'm making it sound easy. It's not not easy to, to grow your sales by eight or ten percent a year when you're doing hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue now or a billion dollars in revenue. I mean, 10% of a billion is $100 million of new business that you've got to get, and you've got to maintain your profit margin. So it's not easy to do, uh, but it's doable, and it's how these companies got to the size they are and uh, why investing in them, if you take a long-term outlook, has done so well. The next (laughs) thing you have to have to make that a whole investment strategy is how are you going to buy and sell those big names? Uh, or these? Some of them are small names. I invest in small, medium, and large companies. And small companies, by the way, are not that small. Uh, not today. When I first started in the industry, a $50 million company was a small company. Now it's $500 million. <laughs> literally. But uh, i got about 30 seconds here before I have to take a commercial break. If you'd like to call in and ask a question today, 216-901-0945. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, And And uh, after this commercial break, I'll be glad to try to take any questions that you have. And, uh, and again, you can go to my website. It's uh, com. You can write a question there if you've got a, a question regarding retirement income planning. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. How do you set up stock? Well, hear the music. I'll see you in a few minutes.
2: You've heard the saying, all good things come to an end. Well, not always. Sometimes they just take a break. That's what's happening with our Lady of the Wayside's car donation program after 24 years and 96,000 rides donated. Pretty amazing. Here's the story. The car lot's owners sold the property, making it impossible for car donations to be accepted at this time. According to the Wayside CEO, Terry Davis, the next right steps will be determined and communicated soon. So stay tuned. In the meantime, Terry and the entire team at The Wayside thank you for your continued support of the 450 individuals with developmental disabilities in The Wayside's care. And please take note, you can still support them by making a donation at thewayside.org.
3: Well... Welcome back, everybody. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. I keep forgetting to give the phone number out. If you want to call and ask a question, it's 216-901-0945. I'm sorry about that. If you'd like to talk to me in the office, just have a question, uh, you can either email me, Bill at BullingtonCapital.com, or you can go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com, and there's a contact us form. Um, it helps if you write the question <laughs> I get a lot of people that that put their name and their email address and then they forget to fill in what the question is that is that's pretty funny but I get it you know especially today with uh, everything that goes on I mean the technology is just killing me yeah I mean some of the biggest strongest tech companies in the world are having difficulties with their tech lately and it's been uh, I I'll bet you any amount of money, I'm spending two to three hours a day, two hours minimum, waiting on a service that's supposed to be working and it's not working. <laughs> two hours the, uh, at least. So, very frustrating. And uh, that laugh is not a real laugh. There is <laughs> there is pain behind that laugh. <laughs> but, uh, oh well, at least nobody's shooting at me. Not yet, anyway. But, uh, uh and again, you know, these times—talk about troubling times. You know, for the past four or five years, we've been talking about how technology is changing. It's going to change lives. It is changing lives. And by the way, the, the path forward is a good one. Um, I think if you look at any of the uh, uh, thing areas that we've talked about, actually, healthcare has not done nearly as well as it has in the long run, despite the fact that we've had a pandemic. But despite the fact that a record number of people are turning sixty every day, um, happened to me last week. (laughs) So, uh, and I do go to the doctor more than I've ever gone in my life. But uh, at any rate, uh, those areas are good areas. What you'll find with companies that happen whose share prices over long time periods have a tendency to do well is that their sales go up. They find a way. To increase their sales, and for some companies, it's a service. You know that uh, sales and service and uh, they're under the category called revenue. So if you have rising revenues, and you can control your costs or keep your costs from rising faster than your revenues are, you'll have expanding profit, and that's what this entire country's built on. That's what the stock market is built on. It's companies having the opportunity to raise their uh, sales through either new products, the uh, new markets, the um, more effective advertising. They just find a way to do it. And they do it and they protect their profit margins when the the price of sugar or cocoa fluctuates. It goes up. You can bet that the price of the candy bars is going up. Uh, Or the candy bar just gets a little bit smaller. I know we've all seen that much more uh, obvious in the past, I don't know, probably five to ten years than it has been in my earlier life. I used to talk about that when I was a kid, and people looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, I'm not crazy. I have a paper route. I have to work really hard for my money. And I noticed at that uh, local gas station, the, the candy vending machine The size of the candy bars was going down. (laughs) I used to stop by there when I was collecting, and I would spend my tip money on a couple candy bars. (laughs) So I would—I they weren't fooling me. But uh, anyway, that's kind of that's one of the things that you can do if you're a manufacturer and your costs go up. See, that's the reason that stocks do better than other asset classes because they can adjust their pricing and they can find better ways to produce whatever they're doing and cut their costs. So uh, in the long run, you know that's that's typically what has a tendency to happen. That's one of the reasons that we have inflation. That's one of the reasons that you don't want to put 100% of your money into a, a fixed indexed annuity unless it's going to provide an income level that, that's so high that you'll not even be spending the whole thing. Yeah, okay, you can do it that way if you want to. And again, there's no uh, right or wrong answer. In fact, that's one of those things, again, coming back to risk. How much risk can you take? How much, how, how much in your portfolio should you have invested in stocks? Well, there's an amount that you probably need to be invested in stocks to be able to keep up with inflation. Uh, and uh, there's a, an amount that you're going to have to have in fixed income, provide an income, the income may or may not keep up with inflation we really kind of lean towards the stocks to try to help us out with that um and again you can get there are some annuities out there and they're no load that will pay a certain amount and will give you the opportunity to if it grows faster than that uh, that it will go up so you can we can talk about those as well if you want more information on that i will tell you that the initial Interest rates are guaranteed rates are a lot smaller because they're going to be going up in the future. So, uh, and the reason I say that is somebody will take some pieces of everything I've said on my show, take all the items that they like a lot, put it together, and say, "Well, you said that." <laughs> <You're> like, no, <laughs> that's not what I said. Yeah, uh, what I said was, "If the, the more for potential gain, the, the lower the payout's going to be." At the beginning. Okay. So, uh, for incomes to go up over time, you're going to have to take a much smaller income at the beginning. That's one of the reasons that, that the 4% rule, the guy that did that uh, came out with it. He went back to the early, I think it was in 1920, and said, okay, if I'm going to raise this income that I'm going to get from my stock portfolio, and by the way, he used a 50 50 blend, 50% bond fund. I uh, just took he created an index that created the the bond market, and then he took fifty percent S and P five hundred. If I took four percent out of that each year and I raised it for inflation, uh, or actually, if I took a percentage of that portfolio out every year and I raised it for inflation, what's the highest level that would have gotten me to thirty years, which is actually a few years longer than the average retirement, and uh, um. That's what he came up with was 4%. You could start off with 4%, then you could in, increase that over time to keep up with the inevitable cost increases that are going to be occurring. Because I can tell you, tide is going to go higher. <laughs> I don't know when, but it's going to go higher. And if you've got money invested in Procter & Gamble, you know, what's really interesting when people buy individual stocks. Like, I own Procter & Gamble. I've you know, had it for years. Yeah, it's, it's a lot higher than it was. My cost basis is very minimal. And I've been reinvesting in the dividends. That's so going to be a nightmare when I go to sell it. And I probably do like most of my uh, really old clients and just not sell it <laughs> because I don't want to have to try to figure out what the capital gains taxes might be. Realistically, though, it's not that bad. And, and, and incidentally, that that is one of the advantages. And I wanted to point that out. I'm glad I reminded myself of, of an exchange traded fund. An exchange traded fund instead of a portfolio of stocks has a big advantage, or some of them have a big advantage. Some of them allow you to skip getting capital gains distribution. They don't even have them. What does that mean? Well, it means as it grows, if I sell some shares to supplement my income and I've held on to those shares for longer than 12 months, they're going to be counted as long-term capital gain. And that, that's a big break off of short-term capital gains. Now, the dividends that you get are still taxed, like ordinary dividends, stock dividends, rather. Yet some of them actually have tax advantages there, too. But, uh, some of them actually, they're like half your normal tax bracket, but not all of them. So maybe we'll cover that on the future show. But the bottom line is when you've got stock portfolios. I mean, and, and incidentally, every type of portfolio that, that's ever existed exists today. There were things that I used to do myself. Now there's an exchange-traded fund that's doing it or some flavor of it that is so close to what I was doing that it doesn't make sense to do it anymore because those guys don't have to report each and every transaction until you sell something. They don't have to report anything. And a lot of what I was doing, we were paying taxes as we go, and if I got the ETF that's doing the exact, Well, almost the exact same thing. We're basically just splitting hairs here, and I'm holding on to it. I'm not paying any taxes. So that's amazing. And to convert short-term capital gains into long-term capital gains is a big deal. And I don't hear hardly anybody talking about that in the exchange-traded fund marketplaces. They don't talk about it on CNBC. They don't talk about it on NBC, ABC, CBS, whatever news network you're using that has financial programming, I've never really heard anybody talk about that and how big of a difference that actually makes in your taxable accounts. I mean, it's huge. So, so I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to learn more about that, again, just you just give me a call. Uh, like I said, most of the time, if if you know what kind of risk taker you are, this this is the Issue that most people struggle with when we're trying to do a financial plan. They uh my my risk questionnaire is fairly simple. How much of a decline can you take realistically in order to hit your goals? And when I see what your goals are, I can tell you approximately how much a fluctuation you're going to need to take. But I always ask you how much of a fluctuation you can withstand in an effort to reach your goals. uh, Unless you've got millions of dollars and you you need very little money to live on, you're probably going to have to put up with some amount of risk. That risk is in the form of fluctuating stock prices or exchange-traded fund prices. So how much can you really take in order to reach your goals? Now, Warren Buffett's been down over 50% multiple times. That's one of the reasons that he's one of the wealthiest people on the planet. Peter Lynch, when he was managing the Magellan Fund, that fund was incredibly volatile. Why? Because the higher returns you're shooting for, normally the more risk you're going to have to take. That whole whole idea about low risk and really high returns, I have never seen that. It's like that 15-pound jumbo shrimp I've been looking for. I hear the word jumbo shrimp all the time. They still look pretty small to me. (laughs) Just kind of kidding. But, uh, anyway, I'll stop with the bad jokes. <laughs> and, uh, the bottom line is if you're going to get good returns, you're going to take some volatility. You're going to see that portfolio fluctuate a lot. And trying to, trying to balance it is really the key. So if you'd like to talk about that, again, feel free to call me, uh, 330 700 You go to my website, com, and uh, there's a contact us form. And literally, it it really doesn't take that long to do an entire financial plan if you know what you're doing. So, uh, if you want to give me a call there, I would be much more than happy to take some time out to to try to give you uh, some help there. And uh, if you want me to take a look at your portfolio, I have no problem doing that. And uh, there's no charge for the initial meeting. So, having said all that, I think I only have about 10 or 15 seconds left before the music starts. And uh, so, I'll just point you one last time to bullingtoncapital.com or email as bill at bullingtoncapital.com. And I hope you guys all have a really good week, good investing, and good luck.